content is needed more than ever because people stayed home they immediately yeah. uh, subscribe for two other streaming services yeah. and streaming services were just kind of realized if if they don't produce but they still pushing out content then this dynamic will just cause that they are out of content within a year or two Welcome back to Corvinus Business Intelligence. This is a podcast series dedicated to learning about and from today's and tomorrow's business leaders and to understanding the cutting edge issues on which they work. This is a continuation of our discussion with Victoria Petrani, an award-winning film producer. This podcast is the second part of our three-part discussion. This podcast was created and prepared by the Budapest Investment Club of Corvinus University's School of Business in Budapest. My name is Theodore Boone. I am a member of the faculty of Corvinus University's School of Business. Victoria, thank you again for joining us for this second podcast. In your role, as the co-founder and operator of Proton Cinema. You have clearly been involved in multiple projects, such as the Khan's entries Delta, White God, and Jupiter Moon. But as, all, as we all know, all our lives globally have changed in the last months because of the pandemic, the global pandemic. Victoria, for you, and your work and the work of your colleagues in film. Could you tell us the ways that the pandemic has impacted your work and what are you are doing uh, to, to address those impacts? We are still living it, so most probably within a year I, I can give you a more precise answer on what really happened because we are just trying to survive day by day. The interesting thing uh, in our business was that it, it, uh, the pandemic affected us in a very controversial way. On one hand, it was clear that it will affect uh, financing green lights, uh, shootings uh, heavily. So many projects got stopped, many couldn't get started. Obviously, uh, the the reason was because people cannot stay together, lockdowns, etc., travel bans. So it, it's a it's a very many 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 reasons connected to to the pandemic. But the other thing was also clear: uh, content is needed more than ever because people stayed home. They immediately yeah. uh, subscribe for two other streaming services, yeah. and streaming services were just kind of realized. If, if they don't produce, but they still pushing out content, then this dynamic will just cause that they are out of content within a year or two. Meaning, they got into panic as well, that on one hand, there's no way how they can produce during uh, these times or until the situation is not resolved in a way. And on the other hand, they badly need content. So our industry start, started to create guidelines as many other industries does. Of course, they are very similar in a way. Uh, 
And uh, these guidelines uh, uh, were, of course, introduced by big players and then uh, took over by many, many others. The bottom line is the same everywhere. How do we keep a safe environment at a workplace? Uh, if shooting can happen and how it can happen, if uh, travel bans allow local projects more and, and if projects which were planned to be shot outside uh, the country, if they can be produced uh, within the country. So many, many questions which affect a, a production were circling around it, but by May some of the projects started to uh, resume production and uh, some even started to shoot already in July, meaning that the film industry, if I read well uh, uh, in a global context, the film industry reacted very, very quickly because of the demand on the content side. But that sounds good that you're, 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 you're shooting now, and is that both outside and inside scenes as, as uh, both of those? No, we, we are uh, receiving uh, projects as production services, so from, from uh, foreign partners there are already some shootings which were resuming, for example from Germany, which is a green country for us, uh, we could already welcome uh, German uh, crews, which is great. The very difficult, very interesting question in our business is that what insurance companies uh, will react? Because without a, a big financing, without a proper insurance, it's just not a big financing, so it's, the, it's not close. It's absolutely impossible to work without completion bonds and insurers. Therefore, uh, financiers are kind of raising their hands these days and saying we cannot greenlight a movie uh, as it is now, because insurance companies are not insuring us against the pandemic, which is obvious also. So, in a way, certain kind of projects can be started and continued, but another uh, big part of the industry is still on hold. And maybe uh, two questions uh, at, at, at once. Um, and then my specific uh, question related to the pandemic, uh, for example, can you, if you can't focus time on shooting, can you focus more time on sort of the front end of the pipeline and, and thereby, you know, somehow try to work, work things forward? Okay, so I try to, I try to create a timeline for you from pandemic point of view, so, okay. which is COVID-friendly phases <laughs> and non-COVID-friendly yeah. phases. So first of all, we have development, which is content development. This is where the writer sits in a room and writes a script. So pretty COVID friendly. We can consult over Zoom. It's really easy. Then uh, starts uh, uh, pre-production. Pre-production has a lot of phases. So there's the financing still can be done remotely. Uh, then uh, there's a production prep, which is really there are more and more people involved. So if you would if you would draw a line, it would be just a peak. At closer you mm -hmm. get uh, to the shooting, the line would just uh, uh, be rising up. Therefore, when we are seeing uh, hard prep, where the entire crew is involved, that's already heavy production. A lot of people are involved. They have to stay together. There's no way they don't meet in person with the actor who they need to dress or or for a makeup test or for anything. So more and more people are meeting. We can avoid part of it, but the other part is just impossible to avoid. Then there's the shooting. It is what it is, no, no question. This is where this uh, uh, 
temporary factory or how we call it it's temporary factory is is up and running and uh, you just can't help being together that that's the way to do that i heard productions when directors stayed home in italy and remotely directed on zoom i think you can do a, a, a two-day shooting for commercial you cannot create content like that obviously so post-production where it comes sound post editing visual effects uh, music recording uh, these type of works it's again pretty uh, but I, I wouldn't say COVID friendly because there are many people still uh, together but for example uh, color grading of a movie can happen that color grader sits in one room and director in another editing also you can edit like this uh, sound recording also few musicians here and uh, the, the composer in other rooms. So remote sessions in post-production are very uh, likely to happen more and more in the near future. Actually, I think they longer? will... I think it makes more expensive because instead of one studio, you immediately book two mm. or three all over the world instead okay. of one flight ticket flying, flying someone yeah. in. So it makes, more, it makes it more expensive. On the other hand, uh, in a way makes international uh, collaborations way more easy. So it's really easy to supervise remotely. Mm -hmm. The technical background for that is really great already. So you can do that. So this, this would be the, the, the timeline. And then there's the, the market timeline of it when, when cinema comes to be a big question mark. I think the, the sector which suffered the most uh, in, in our industry is obviously cinema and cinema 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 as theatrical release that that suffered enormously and I would say almost uh, almost in an irreversible way mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if it will because you know when people say that life will never be the same I'm just like okay we are people like we will make same mistakes all over again. I just don't believe these kind of things. But when it comes to cinema, I question myself that most probably it, it would never be exactly the same. But it's also for the reason because the landscape of the market is changing and forming day by day because of the streaming services. What about in terms of adverse effects? Um, what about the, the film festivals? That's the other sector which suffered a lot, film festivals, which are, and ma many, many, many of us doesn't really know it, uh, these are marketplaces. I have to say that this is, this is shaping right now as well. So, of course, a lot of the work can be done over the phone. And, uh, and if it can be done, then why to travel to a very expensive festival like and stay there for five, six days. Uh, though networking partly has always ha ha have to happen in person, you can't help it. And also the nature of the industry is very much um, uh, um, depend on personal relationships. So it's a very, you have to be to close proximity to, to one another to be really, you know, make a great deal. Uh, on a movie or to discuss the script. You can do two sessions over the phone, but you're not, you can't necessarily do the third one on it. So uh, I'm not saying there's a, there's a, a clear uh, line. I'm not saying that, you know, you can do like this and you cannot 
uh, without meeting in person. I, I just can see that big part of the industry would suffer if the festivals are not running back. Especially that festivals are uh, empowering a lot the art house sector. Mm-hmm. Because a mainstream movie which lives well on the market doesn't really need festival presence. It's placed on the market, it immediately runs up, it has the market elements, what it has to be. A fragile a market presence, what a, an art house movie <laughs> would, would, would mean, has to start with a festival circuit. So festivals are market, market tools for us, or market events for us, but for the art house. It's like auctions in fine art. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a marketplace, but art meets there. So it's really, really important. And now that the theatrical release suffers and festivals suffer, the art house sector of movie making is suffering uh, maybe a bit more. But most probably, you know, when Marvel cannot put uh, uh, their movies in uh, their blockbusters into on big screen, that's a big loss also. So I'd w- welcome your thoughts on, on that aspect of the impact of movie theaters um, and also just your thoughts on um, the impact of the incredibly fast pace of the development of, of, of technologies uh, on your industry. It's really, really an interesting question also uh, for me because when we are talking about um, how the market is shaping right now because of streaming services, because of new technologies and everything connected to them, uh, I have to admit that it's changing so much right now as we speak. It started years ago, of course, that it's hard to put your finger on it and hard to define and analyze clearly what's going on and where are we going. I, I believe personally that these are the most interesting times in history when something is shaping and you are just in the middle of it you have no idea where we are going. In a way, I think globally we can say we are in a situation like that. Yeah. And, and I find it very, very exciting to be part of the change. I wouldn't dare to say I know, uh, I, I know all the complex effects of, of this uh, uh, pros- process, but I would say that um, just like uh, reading has changed during Kindle exists, but it didn't uh, erase reading from the word. And internet didn't erase the Gutenberg Galaxy. So we know that. So we know that cinema is for something else. It's not, I mean, when we are saying audiovisual content, you can, you, you can sit in front of your computer, you can go to a theater, you can watch it on your phone. Uh, it will be storytelling in a way, whatever happens. So we, as as audiovisual storytellers uh, try to find always the best uh, platforms uh, for the content. But when I say best platform, is there any content, and this is also a question out loud, is there any content uh, that's always better on big screen? So I believe there is. I believe that uh, if if you create kind of a coordinate system and you say, that uh, this end is like most fantastic mainstream, like the very, very spectacular mainstream. And this end is a very sensitive art house 
sometimes low, sometimes heavy to take, these two will be most probably uh, always survive on big screens because it's hard to watch them anywhere else. Spectac you can, absolutely possible, <laughs> we know it. Sometimes I watch uh, things on my phone for hours, but, uh, but the audience still will feel the need to go into cinema. And uh, whatever is not in this section, but closer to the middle, lives more and more better and better on you know, smaller screens. And this rule is already shaping, so we can see that. What we can also see is that cinema is for something else. Cinema is for a community experience. You go there, you're in the dark with other people, you will share experience with the presence of others, or there will be even cinemas which, which only happens once or twice and, and uh, connects some kind of other experience to, uh, to cinema. And there's pure content watching when you just binge watch two series <laughs> right after each other. There will be no clear boxes until a while and there will be a lot of discussions within the industry that this kind of con content should be rather a series or should be rather turned into a big mainstream uh, go for theatrical release and we will learn learn by doing so i think we will we will be just learning by the experience and failures of our releases unfortunately uh, time flies on such an interesting discussion and we're we're almost out of time. As you describe it, uh, tell me if I'm understanding it correctly, um, it seems possible the, the uh, expanse of, of the digital platforms that are out there uh, might actually be beneficial to the Hungarian film industry in the sense that your, your market is kind of expanded from you know, the days where literally the film had to go to this theater and that, somebody sitting anywhere in the world that loves Hungarian films um, can get a hold of a lot of them, whereas that wouldn't have been so easy 20, 20 years ago. So, um, uh, am I understanding correctly, could that be, be a plus for this new digital streaming world that, that we live in? I believe yes. I believe there will be a lot of benefits uh, among them this as well that you know like you can you can easily create subtitles you like like national languages won't be such a burden but is the mainstream the... loving the Hungarian language with the subtitle because I think like it's just a small part of society who actually loves to watch like subtitle movies Isn't yeah it? but you know the big platforms can really bear diversity in this respect so if a small movie with subtitles just because yeah. <laughs> and they're and they have their big uh, number of clicks for another movie that's perfectly fine mm -hmm. so in this uh, streaming race they are they have to also uh, define themselves that what kind of competitors they are they are competitors who would who would put smaller movies uh, from different countries who would like to gain more subscribers in also in small countries uh, so they will define themselves because there are many of them and now this streaming war if you like to say that 
will give you uh, even more questions to that. So like how they will react because they will, each of them will have their own uh, set of answers or policies to these questions because they are in huge competition. You won't subscribe eight of them. Yeah. You will scrub, subscribe two of them, no? Most probably. It's way enough content. Wow. Or three. <laughs> or, you know, like, unless you are really crazy about yeah, movies. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, this has been a, a fantastic discussion. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I think we have many more questions. And, and fortunately, um, uh, Victoria has been kind enough to join us for a third segment in our, our podcast of these three segments with Victoria Petrani. I would like to thank you, Victoria, really for this outstanding uh, and, and fascinating discussion. This is Theodore Boone for the Corvinus Business Intelligence Podcast, a production of the Budapest Investment Club of Corvinus University in Budapest. We leave you today with these words spoken by Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Thank you. <laughs>